Hi everybody. Again, good to see you all in the new year. At least that's it's what they call a new year. Something happened a few days ago. And of course, New Year is different in every country, not every country, but many different cultures and countries of the world. There's a lot of different New Years, but I'm happy to celebrate each new moment. Um, I'm just back from retreat. I taught the New Year's retreat at Spirit Rock with a number of friends of mine. I taught with Tuari Sala, who's the lead teacher of uh, Seattle Insight. And um, I taught with, um, who else was there? Was um, um, uh, Dawn, Dawn Scott, who uh, teaches for many years the family program at Spirit Rock. And then uh, Devin Haase, who has taught here many times. Uh, and um, with Hakim Tafari. And Hakim is a good friend from Los Angeles who teaches the movement. And, um, and it was a great retreat. And I told the people on retreat they could come join us if they wanted, and some may be here. Um, uh, because every year after the New Year's retreat, I teach a, a post-New Year's talk. I give a post-New Year's talk that includes talking about the New Year's retreat. And so I'm gonna do that. I'll tell you a little bit about the retreat and a little bit about the benefit of being on retreat and the goodness of Dharma practice, both on retreat and off retreat. And really the magic and, and the simplicity of awareness and it's functioning now, whether you're on retreat or not. Now, of course, none of us are on formal retreat but we're on informal retreat. We're on the retreat of our life. And um, I often think of life as just a retreat. It's just practice. And it's and we take the skills and, and tools that we learn on a meditation retreat and we keep uh, implementing them day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour in our life. And the retreat was... Um, little if there was a theme of the retreat actually there were a couple of themes one was about the simplicity of being and we were just encouraging people to be right here just right here which of course i want to encourage all of you to be right here right now and then uh, we also had another thing theme which is what are we doing here right on retreat and it's a great question to always ask about practice. What are we doing here? What are we doing here at SFI tonight, Sunday night? We could be doing many other things, but here's where we are. And so here's some of the answers that came from the retreat about what we were doing. And it was the answers are paradoxical because the Dharma is paradoxical. And, and one of the answers to what are we doing here is nothing. We were basically doing nothing. I mean, we could say formally, we were sitting, walking, eating, pissing, shitting, and sleeping. And that was it. There wasn't much more to the retreat than that. And that's what's radical about retreat practice. It's so simple. 
and it starts to point to the simplicity of being and discovering the truth of what's here. I'm pointing at myself, but I'm pointing at all of you. And of course, that's one of the beauties of meditation is to see what's actually here, what's alive here, what's, what's real here in a experiential way. And that's how we, and we start to clarify and refine our mindfulness just by getting closer, becoming more intimate with the aliveness and the awareness that's knowing the aliveness. And so one of the other themes that we were doing on retreat and that you're doing here is discovering reality. Because this is it. You are reality. Living consciousness is reality. And what's happening now is reality. And so I'm, and I'm um, repeating myself because I want to encourage you to keep getting closer to this moment, aliveness and the reality of it in a very relaxed way. And there was uh, a lot of blessings on the retreat. It's, you know, it's at Spirit Rock. For those of you who haven't been to Spirit Rock, we have a, about three, 300 acres uh, in West Marin. It's quite beautiful. And of course, when we started the retreat, it's just started raining, 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 raining. And so it was beautiful because the monastic community always has a rains retreat or traditionally would have a rains retreat at that time of the year in Asia. So we had a rains retreat. And what was beautiful was it was rain, rain, rain. I mean, some good rain. And, uh, and, then, and then all of a sudden in the middle, it just got sunny 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 beautiful beautiful everybody was really happy and then at the end rain 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 and and uh, and it was a beautiful way to open and close the retreat in the magic of nature just doing itself and of course the goodness for us here in northern california rain is good right we're happy with rain even when we don't want it to rain we're happy it's raining and I'm again pointing at the paradox of the Dharma, which is a perspective of the big picture. And the big picture is maybe I want to go out and walk over. There's a big one big great loop in Spirit Rock over the big hill. And I wanted to do it. And and I I hadn't done it, hadn't done it. Finally, it got sunny. And then I asked one of my colleagues, uh, Devin, who's much younger than me, and she did it. I said, how was it? Was it slippery? She said, oh, yeah, it was muddy. I've slipped twice, and I usually never slip. And I thought, okay, I'm not doing the big hill. I did do the smaller hill one time, which was great to do. But, it, but it's um, the, the gift of na nature, even in the gift of the Dharma, whether we can do what we want or not is right here. The gift of awareness is right here. And so one morning I was walking and, uh, and the teacher village is a ways away from the meditation hall. So it's always a nice walk up to the, to the 6 a.m. sitting, which was my favorite sitting because it's a sitting where there's no, nobody talks, I don't talk. 
the teachers don't talk and so it's just quiet and I just get to go and sit at 6 a.m. every day on retreat and I'm walking up there and all of a sudden uh, um, there was what I call the owling of the morning and if you've ever heard the owling of the morning it goes like this I'll try to mimic it ooh 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 and it was two different beings who were speaking to each other. One was lower voice, one was higher, and they were talking back and forth, and it was so beautiful. Right, because this is how I'm starting my day is the owling is happening and I'm listening to the 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 owls hooing and it brings to life the magicalness of reality and of the natural world and it really brought a kind of sublime happiness and and the kind of happiness where you're just happy to be alive and why am I happy to be alive because these owls are talking to each other at least in my uh, in my human centric uh, uh, um, evaluation of what was happening right that they were talking to one another and it was so beautiful because you never know what's going to happen and that's true whether you're on retreat or not every moment is new as my teacher Saida Utejaniya says when you see, this is from Utejaniya, when you see every moment is new, every moment is fresh, every moment is changing, every moment is arising, that's reality. And so that's why we practice on retreat, but also in our lives, is to get here and become present and receive the gift of the kind of presence that arises when we see, oh, this is reality, this moment is reality. And it's a gift we can discover repeatedly. And it's such a, a blessing when we sense it or feel it or know it experientially. And it can be very subtle or very sublime, but it's good. Suzuki Roshi put it this way. He said, the world is its own magic. The world is its own magic. And I still love this, what Suzuki said, that I say it many times because it's true. <clears throat> so I, when I was um, thinking about this talk, I was thinking about the goodness of the new year which is of course a gift each new year each new year is given and we don't know if we're going to be here for every new year because some of us probably won't be here for the next new year myself included as possible right and so i was really appreciating the new year on retreat and the, the we stay up till midnight and we party like crazy at spirit rock all in silence 
and and uh, nobody doing anything <laughs> but but we're we all just sit and stay up sitting and walking and then we do a little ritual at the end where we're um uh, we write on a paper what we want to let go of for for 2023 and our intention for 2024. And we burn the 2023 letting go of in a fire as we go out. And then we sit and they ring the bell uh, 108 times because 108 has special meaning in Buddhism, uh, which I've heard many different um, interpretations of that. So I won't give you any of them, just that it's special, 108. And, um, and what was interesting and kind of beautiful in its paradoxical way is, and, and the re, people re, ring the bell are supposed to have it timed. So they ring the bell, you know, ding, then there's a pause for a while, and then ding, there's a pause, ding and it gets a little quicker as you get closer to midnight until right at midnight it go it gets really really quick so it's like here and i'm going to try to do it on my bill but not too loud it goes kind of ring in the new year right that's the tradition but they totally blew the timing of it <laughs> so so they they got up close and then all of a sudden there were these big pauses because they were way too early and we're sitting in the hall and we have no control over the people ring the bell outside the bell doesn't get rung in the hall and uh, and but it was beautiful because it was perfectly imperfect right, which 2023 was perfectly imperfect. And I can already assure you, 2024 will be perfectly imperfect. And it already is perfectly imperfect if we pay attention to the news and the world and the wars and the, and the tragedy of human suffering that occurs because people think they have something to win on one side or the other. <clears throat> but I'm not going to go into that tonight because you all know about that. But I do want to say something about the sukha and dukkha that's part of the magic and the mystery of life. And sukha is the opposite. Dukkha, for those of you who don't know, means suffering, dis-ease, uh, uh, dissatisfaction. And sukha is the opposite. It's, it's joy or gladness happiness and um and so even the the ringing of the bell incorrectly was part of the sukha and dukkha uh, and the magic and the mystery of human life and and um so part of what i would like to encourage and we encouraged on retreat was waking up to the mystery of being alive of this moment, of the of the consciousness that's aware of this moment, right? And some of you are with your friends, partners, it looks like, and there's a certain joy there. Some of you are with pets. I'm seeing some cats and dogs. Some of you might be by yourself, but still this moment, this is the only moment there is. 
this is reality and this is a gift this moment whatever it is whether it's sukha or sukha or dukkha and what i'm pointing at is to see what's experientially here right now whether it's happiness or sadness or joy or anger or boredom or interest or or some aches and pains in the body or the body may feel good or it may feel tired and we start yawning like some of us are doing and and uh, and it's and it's all good because that's and it's all good not because it necessarily feels good it's all good because it's life living itself it's life doing itself and we can be aware of it and that's really where the goodness is this kind of simplicity of being and of waking up to this mystery of being alive and uh, i'm a little excited not too much but a little bit i'm excited about about 2024 because i turned 75 in 2024 and that seems like a number you know that's like you know substantial uh, I've never been 75 before, so it'll be interesting to see what it's like. And uh, and just, this is personal, but when I was younger and people asked me, when did I think I would die? I used to say, oh, 75, that's my intuition. And, you know, I hope my intuition was wrong, you know, which it has been at times. Uh, I wouldn't mind going past 75, but who knows? I don't know. But, but what I do know is I'm enjoying being alive right now with all its sukha and dukkha, both, right? And one of the things that, there's something that happened on retreat. I was walking to the hall one morning and something was wrong with my tooth. I was having an, a toothache or something. And I thought, oh shit, am I gonna have to lose another tooth? which happens sometimes when you age. Some of you people are older, may be aware of this, right? That the, it doesn't stay forever, the body, right? And, uh, and I, I remember when my parents were older, they lost a lot of teeth. And so I was really uh, um, not happy even about the thought of losing more teeth. And I was aware of that. And then I got up and, and did the sitting and then I went down for breakfast and sometimes I stop in and just say hello to the cooks because they, they cook for us and I love people who cook for me always because I'm not a big cooker. And so, and, but also I'm appreciating how dedicated the cooks at Spirit Rock are to taking care of people and making really good food. They have really good food and somebody's nodding their head in agreement and it's true and and uh, and it it was like and and so i was telling them our, our appreciation of them and what they do and so i felt like oh here's the sukha and dukkha all together i'm worried about my teeth and i'm happy that the cooks are making good food that i'll be able to eat even if i lose another tooth which it doesn't look like I'm losing another tooth, so don't worry about it. And I won't worry about it tonight. But I'm just pointing at the, the interweave of Sukha and Dukkha, so we don't have to think it has to all be good for us to be happy and be aware. But the paradox of practice is that 
what we seek is right here. It's sitting right in our seat. This is it. This is reality. This is what awakens. This is where the goodness of the Dharma is. And we need, and we do need, and that's inherent. And here's the paradox. The goodness of the Dharma is sitting right in your seat. And that's true. And we still need to practice to keep realizing it and realizing it more and more fully that all of reality is, is sitting right here. And the magic of, of each um, uh, moment is right here. The, the, the wonder and, and joy and goodness of the moment is right here, no matter what form it takes. And I was thinking about this on retreat and I remembered a song that I used to like when I was a kid and some of the older people will know it and some of you younger people won't. It's called, it was called This Magic Moment. It's by the Drifters who I liked. And, and the lyrics, and I, 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 I found the lyrics and, I, and I'm gonna read some of them to you, but you wanna hear how the conventional lyrics are pointing at something more dharmically essential or dharmically true. This magic moment, so different and so new, just that, just this magic moment, so different and so new, because actually each moment is new, each moment is fresh, like what Saito Utejaniya was saying. So it goes, this magic moment, so different and so new, was unlike any other until I kissed you. And this is the, the conventional version, but the Dharmic version is when we say, I kissed you, it's really about when we embraced the Dharma, when we got became intimate with the Dharma, which means truth, right? And then it goes on, it says, and then it happened. It took me by surprise. It was sweeter than wine, softer than a summer night. Everything I want, I have. Whenever I hold you tight, whenever I hold the Dharma, whenever I get closer to the Dharma and to the truth of reality and let it permeate us, then we start to wake up and we're happy. Because And the magic moment doesn't end because every moment is new. Every moment is new. And so we get come closer to who and what we are experientially in the Dharma. And then we discover the magic of consciousness. And on retreat, you see it because, again, all you're doing is sitting meditation, walking meditation, eating meditation, you know, uh, meeting with teachers every other day just to really fine tune your practice. And then you're, you're sleeping. And, um, and but what happens is samadhi happens. And samadhi happened really beautifully on the retreat for many people. Samadhi is the unification of body, heart, and mind. It's the coming together of our consciousness with direct experience. And it brings a kind of magic or bliss or rapture is a word that's used in the traditional text or happiness. Um, and it's, it's really part of the poetry of our practice, the, the, the capacity to be absorbed or become one with the body and the breathing or the body and sound or consciousness and sound. 
it's we 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 cease doing this and start doing this and things quiet down and become sublime and you know jesus said it this way he said if thy eye be single the body will be filled with light if thy eye be single the body will be filled with light single means unified if the mind becomes unified with the body it will become filled with light with illumination with a kind of uh um uh I want to say a liquid rapture, but it's it's not actually a liquid. It's it's really the luminosity of rapture, and it happens in daily life. It's possible in daily life when we're when we become one with what we're doing, whatever it might be, whatever we give ourselves to what we're doing, cooking or cleaning or doing things physically like walking or running or dancing or singing or swimming or some of you are bike riders i see so yeah that you know it's and it's and you become one with it and that's part of the pleasure that's often unseen about why we enjoy it so much is because there's this unification with it and so you can really think about what do you do that you become one with some people it might be gardening some people could be shopping online i'm not i'm not opposed to it if you become one with it just don't spend all your money doing it <laughs> uh, it's amazing some people are good shoppers i'm, I'm not a good shopper online I'm better. I'm old school. I'm like, oh, you go to the store, you try things on. Now it's like you buy things and then they come. It's like, it doesn't fit me at all. <laughs> it's like, and then you got to send it back. It's like, I'd rather go to the store, but it's a new era. Uh, but this kind of unity that I'm pointing at is known in many different ways. T.S. Eliot said, said music heard so deeply that is not heard at all but you are the music while the music lasts it's a beauty yeah it's a beautiful understanding of what, what samadhi is and why we love something like music because we give ourselves to it to us we give ourselves to it and it takes us and we become one with it and really, I remember the first time that ever happened for me was maybe not the first time, but one time when I was very young and I was experimenting with psychedelic drugs. And it was uh, it was very interesting to become one with the music. Uh, so. So the paradox of the new year is that every moment is a new year. And Buddhism points us to that, to the, to the unknown and mysterious and the freshness of this moment. And part of what we want to do when we're practicing is see who is it that's knowing the new experience? Who, who is it that's knowing 2024? And I'll say, who is it? And you could think, well, it's me or it's Eugene or however we think of it. But also look at the consciousness 
that's aware of the 2024 in this moment, the new experience of this moment, because consciousness is also new. And as St. Francis, Francis of Assisi said, said, what you are looking for is what is looking. What you are looking for is what is looking. There's this, the power and, and, uh, and beauty and magic of awareness and consciousness. And it's all fresh, it's all new, and it's all mysterious. And of course, I, on retreat, I taught a little bit about awareness and the magic of awareness and the awareness being aware of whatever we're aware of. And of course, you're all aware of something, but we're not usually aware of what is it that's aware of something. And that's part of the fun or magic of practice is to start to see oh, I'm aware of thoughts or feelings or sounds or smells or tastes or touch. And then what is it that's aware of that? Hmm. There was a quote from uh, a Buddhist monastic, uh, Mahabua, who said, this vanishes, that vanishes, but that which knows they're vanishing doesn't vanish. This vanishes, that vanishes, but that which knows they're vanishing doesn't vanish. All that remains is simple awareness, utterly pure. Utterly pure. Utterly pure means it's doing itself the awareness. That the awareness is aware of whatever it's aware of in each moment. And it, it's part of the sacrality, the sacredness of each moment, which is newly given. And we can be aware of it. And the magic of being alive is partly characterized by it's alive for a moment and then it's gone. Alive for a moment and then it's gone. Alive for a moment and then it changes. Alive for a moment and then it's different. And so it's characterized by something my teacher uh, Hamid Ali, he said it this way. He said, the intriguing mystery is that the nature of forms, the nature of the body, the nature of consciousness, the nature of all phenomena includes both emptiness and presence, both being and non-being in a mysterious juxtaposition. I'll say it again. Hamid's good. He said the intriguing mystery is that the nature of forms, the nature of the body, the nature of consciousness, the nature of all phenomena includes both emptiness and presence, both being here and then non-being, gone, in a mysterious juxtaposition. And so it's a beautiful understanding of that same thing Mahabua says, right? Everything vanishes, everything vanishes, but something's knowing what's vanishing that doesn't vanish. And it really, when we start to get open to the paradoxical nature of reality. It provides a different basis for responding to life from being, from Dharma, and brings a, a gratitude for the mystery of each moment 
and, a, and a, really an appreciation for being aware and, and awake and, and uh, being able to know what's here. And, and the key for our practice is, can we be here now? As Ram Dass said 50 years ago, right? Can we just be aware and be here? Can we live in the here now? And see what happens if you breathe into that or sense into that in this moment, because this is the only moment there is again. There is no past or future except in our ideas. The whole life is right here. And if we open to that truth, what happens experientially? What's here if you, if you give yourself to the present moment? Hmm. In our life, it's helpful. It's like pausing and really imbibing the nectar of living consciousness, which we are. And this and retreat is all, all um, structured for that to arise or that is supported on the retreat. But in our life, we want to really pause and really taste the presence of living consciousness that we are. And uh, I looked up the word pause. It's at an interval in which there is a temporary cessation of something. A temporary cessation of something. And I like that because the first stage of enlightenment in Theravada Buddhism, it's called cessation. And, uh, and cessation has a very positive uh, component in Buddhism. It's the cessation of the attachment of, of, uh, of um, greed, hatred, and delusion. It's, it's a cessation of our ignorance for a moment, right? And so seeing that life is practice and that it's all magically and mysteriously arising, arising gives us the opportunity to taste the goodness of being alive. And I, I actually thought of an old Mary Oliver poem, which we used to read a lot in the Dharma. I haven't read in years, but I thought I would read it tonight because it's so beautiful about her simply being present with the natural world. She said, who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? And then she describes the grasshopper. She said, who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean, the one who has flung herself out of the grass, the one who is eating sugar out of my hand, who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. And now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. And Mary Oliver continues and says, I don't know what exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention. 
I know how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? What else should I have done? And then she goes on, she says, doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? It's just a beautiful Dharma teaching from Mary Oliver about what are we doing with our life in 2024? What are we gonna do? And what's the, what's the really right thing to do? And, and what happens if we open to the magic and mystery of each moment? I want to read a, a poem. It's not a poem, it's a little prose from Richard Wagamese, who is an indigenous Canadian poem from the Nishinaabe tribe. And Richard Wagamese said, I don't know the word for it, that space between seconds. I don't know the word for it, that space between seconds, but I've come to understand for myself that it's the punctuation of my life. And my, my world just got punctuated in that moment. My light went out. You may have noticed I may have gotten darker, but I'm still here. So uh, I'll, I'll read it again. I don't know the word for it that space between seconds, but I've come to understand for myself that it's the punctuation of my life. Between each word, each thought, each moment is where the truth of things lies. The more intent I am on hearing it, seeing it, feeling it, incorporating it, the more precise the degree to which I'm focused on my life and the act of living. I want to dive into those bits of silence. They contain the ocean of my being and our togetherness. And it's a beautiful understanding from Richard Wagamese about the space of reality and reality arising out of this emptiness moment by moment. Mm. And I'll end with one more. There's a lot more I could say. I'm gonna I'm gonna end with um, with Sharon Salzberg, my colleague friend in Buddhism, and she's talking about the great Indian teacher Nisargadatta Maharaj. And Nisargadatta Maharaj said, "Wisdom tells me I am." nothing. Love tells me I'm everything. Between the two, my life flows. Wisdom tells me I am nothing. Love tells me I am everything. Between the two, my life flows. And Sharon comments on it. She says, I am nothing does not mean that there is a bleak wasteland within. It does mean that with awareness, we open to a clear, unimpeded space Without center or periphery, we open to a clear, unimpeded space without center or periphery, nothing separate. 
If we are nothing, there is nothing at all to serve as a barrier to our boundless expression of love. Being nothing in this way, we are also inevitably everything. Everything does not mean self-aggrandizement, but a decisive recognition of interconnection. We are not separate. Both the clear open space of nothing and the interconnectedness of everything awakens us to our true nature. This is the truth we contact when we meditate, a sense of unity beyond suffering. It is always present. So those are a few thoughts for me tonight. And we'll do, we'll take a couple minutes. I want to go back to gallery view. We'll do a couple minutes of sharing of merit. Um, appreciating our good fortune that we've had this time and place to practice together. And that we uh, have the opportunity to awaken, to be aware, to discover what we know and what we don't know and to offer this the goodness of our time together may it go out in every direction touch beings in every realm with a special shout out for um, herb gold nina gold's father it's the 49th day after he died which is an auspicious day in the tibetan buddhist calendar of post-death so wherever you are, Herb, may you be well, may you be happy, may you and all beings be well and happy and healthy and filled with joy and dharma. May all beings be free. <laughs>